Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. So if you have your Bibles, you can start turning to Exodus 18. That'll be the first place that we read out of today. Um, we want things, especially in America, we, we want things to go fast all the time, right? We want, we want everything to be quick and we want it to happen now. And it's interesting because I, I was thinking about how in Fiji, that's just the opposite. It's almost like if you were on time, that would be an offensive <laughs> thing to do. You know, growing up in Fiji, if you were on time, what is wrong with you? <laughs> but here in this culture, we want things to happen quickly. We want things to happen fast. We want to be busy all the time. We were at... Um, we were at dinner with some friends the other night and the guy was saying how he used to be able to sit down and read a book for a long period of time. And, and now he says, I can't stay focused for 10 minutes. I'm getting up, I get a glass of water or I'm looking at my phone. Then I'll go back and read a little bit more. And he's like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> and I, I feel the same way where it's mainly more with children related. Like you were gone the other night, I think for a little bit. And I was like, oh, the house is quiet. And I actually sat there and <laughs> Read a book for the whole time, and then you came home, and everything exploded again, yeah. But think about traffic. You know, we get upset, uh, especially more recently, as more and more people move to this area. When I take Kai to baseball practice on Monday nights, we've noticed that the traffic is terrible. Um, his baseball practice starts at 5. We usually leave about 4.20 or so. And we're still pushing it. And the other day there was some kind of a wreck or something. And But, you know, we want traffic to move. So we'll complain if, if oh, the city's not keeping up with its construction. I'm sure you Detroiters know that. What about fast food? We want it to be fast. Sometimes I will skip going to Chick-fil-A because the line is too long. <laughs> I'll just go to Burger King where there's nobody in line. And there's a reason why. That I'm going to Burger, there's nobody in line at Burger King, but the line at Chick-fil-A is double wrapped around the thing. And of course they move quickly. Yeah. What about uh, the grocery store line? Which, which line do we choose? Do we choose the longest line or do we choose the shortest line? You know, we, we choose the line where usually we want to choose the, the person who's a little older, maybe not the young person because they may not know how to ring up our stuff as fast. And then the biggest one here is our, our phones. That's been our, it's, it's really the greatest example of fast and, and hurried things. We want our phones to react quickly. If we show, if we show somebody, like we bring up a video and out here, out in the country, especially this is true. If we bring it up and that little circle thing starts spinning, even for like five seconds, we're like, oh, why isn't the video starting? It's so slow. I have to wait five seconds to watch. A, a, a 1080p video oh you know so this idea uh that we're always we're always in a hurry uh, it's obviously it's not it's not a new concept humans have always we've always been impatient uh creatures we we want what we want now we don't want it later there's a stigma in this culture 
Um, especially that if your life is running, if your life is running at the proper speed, that you will be busy all the time. You know, in fact, the busier that you are, the more and the more important, the more important you are. Right. Uh, if you scroll through somebody's social media profile, um, and we haven't had Facebook, but this is, this is true when we did the the people that portray themselves as maybe being the happiest or the people who are the most successful or probably the people that post the most pictures of their food or their pets or they're always exercising. And right after they exercise, they're eating a greasy burger and saying, look how skinny I can still be, you know, all the time. And then they apply the right filter so it looks nice. Um, they can't go to the gym or they can't read a book or they can't, you know, take a sip of the coffee without posting it online. Uh and this makes some people feel, and I've had this conversation with a lot of guys recently, where it makes them feel this pressure, um, this unnecessary pressure. And we ask ourselves, you know, they ask themselves, what am I doing in my life? Why am I not as important? Why am I not able to post so many pictures of my my spaghetti or whatever it is on, on Facebook? Am I just not busy enough? So modern culture says, that we need to fill the calendars up that some, some feel this anxiety. If that, if that, if our calendars aren't, if they're not full enough, that, that we're not doing enough. Right. Or, or how about, how about this new phenomenon of binge watching? You know, do you remember a time when binging on anything had a negative connotation, (laughs) you know, and now we're encouraged to binge, binge, binge on, on these TV shows on, on, on Netflix or whatever it is, you know, you can watch a whole season in an afternoon or, or however, however long. And that's, that's all that people do is they binge on something that used to be a bad thing. And now apparently we're turning it into a good thing, but maybe it's time that Christians start to come to the realization that, that Satan is behind that. Uh, and that maybe these distractions are removing us from our time with, in the word of God. All right. So in Exodus 18, if you want to look there, we see in the story where we see this story where Moses' father-in-law he meets him after the Israelites have been delivered um, from they've been delivered from the hands of the Egyptians. Um, in the passage here, it indicates that Moses has been he's been taking on too much by himself. He's bearing a load that is unbearable, and he has overloaded his schedule. So, starting in verse thirteen, it says, "The next day Moses sat." to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what are you doing? What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. 
and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and, and, excuse me, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Jethro's advice to Moses here was that Moses is not so important that he cannot just not ask for help, right? He was telling him to, he was telling him to take care of himself. And that's something that sometimes we don't like, do we? When we're told to take care of ourselves, when we're told to slow down, maybe. Um, when we're told to delegate our busyness. Uh, we think sometimes that, that when things are tough or that they're too busy, that if we put our heads down and we just power through, uh, that we can do it on our own. And there are certainly times in life when, when hard work is what is required. But there is a difference between hard work and being busy for the sake of just being busy, right? Um, we need to remember that the Lord values stillness. In fact, he commands it rather harshly in Psalms chapter 46. If you guys want to start turning to Psalms chapter 46. When we sing the song, Be Still and Know That I Am God, it sounds like a really peaceful decree from our Father, especially when you sing it. It's one of our favorites that we've sang, we've sang a lot. Be still and know that I am God. It's a very peaceful song, right? But the imagery that the author of this psalm surrounds this passage with is really, it's really rather violent in nature. Um, the author shows God commanding this stillness in order to be reminded that he is God and he is in control and no one else is. Um, all right, so starting, we'll start in verse 6 of Psalms chapter 46. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. It already starts with this imagery of, of, of just almost utter chaos, right? And God is there uh, just... In, in all of his power. In verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the Lord values stillness in order that we may focus on his power and on his greatness. This lesson and this lesson that I'm teaching is not saying that God is the enemy of hard work. I'm not saying that at all. God values hard work. Um, and we see this throughout the Bible, especially when we're working for the Lord. But we have an example of, of, of resting in, in him as well as, as we see in, in after creation where God creates for six days and then he rests for a day. God wants us to remember that rest is important, but we're quick to point to scriptures that speak out against, against laziness, slothfulness, uh, having a poor work ethic. And we often fail to, and I often fail to internalize the message 
that the Lord values this stillness still, quietness. Um, but just as importantly, what do, what do we do with that stillness? What do we do with that quiet time? Um, so as we read in Psalms chapter 46, just a moment ago, God commands that we meditate upon who will be exalted, that we meditate on him. We see Jesus, um, we see Jesus here. If you guys want to turn to Luke chapter six, he takes the time to have these moments of stillness multiple times, actually, in his ministry. Um, in Luke chapter six, starting in verse 12, he says, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. So, so Jesus takes this time to be still and to pray uh, to God before he decides who the twelve apostles will be. And then in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 6, Starting in verse 30, Mark says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Jesus, he's saying that Jesus said to them here, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So the apostles had been working really hard for Jesus. And they come back to him, and they're excited, right? but they can't even eat. And Jesus recognizes their need for rest. And he wants, he wants to make sure that they're taking care of themselves. Jesus shows this example as well. He shows this example of need. And sometimes that we must, this, this need of needing to decompress and not work ourselves to a pulp, like we're often, you know, likely to do. And then in, in Matthew, so in Matthew chapter 14, just a second, uh, starting in verse 22, last example here. Matthew says, he writes, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So Jesus knows the importance of stillness, of slowing down and of taking time to be alone with God. So last night, I was telling you, I had this neat interaction um, on Gab with one of our favorite follows. And he had written that um, that he valued, because of God's example of working six days and then taking one day of rest, that he valued this one day of, of resting. And um, so, so I wrote back to him, and I wanted to just read you the two, the two interactions. And this is what I wrote to him. This is the one area where I generally take an exception with some Christians, and I hope you'll let me explain. I work five days a week as a director of a military program. I also have a farm with animals, a wife, and four children. I also lead a house church on Sunday on our farm as well. I balance all of this in a biblical way, and I'm raising godly children with a wife who makes me happier than I could ever imagine. And unless she is lying to me, she claims she's amazingly happy in our godly marriage as well. Are you lying to me? Okay. <laughs> this leaves no possibility no possibility that I could ever take a day off. Having said this, I have never better understood entering God's rest as it is taught to us in Hebrews 4 than since I started the house church. I fully believe that you can fill your lives daily with godly activities 
and still be in God's rest. Most of the time I am exhausted, but I am exhausted for Christ. And because of this, I am in his rest. Christians too often garner a legalistic need to want to follow a 24-hour period of doing nothing. And I don't believe this is what the New Covenant teaches us at all. I believe we can be in God's rest 24-7 as long as we have our eyes focused on Jesus. Where we fail is when we start to busy ourselves with the ways of the world. This is when we experience unhealthy exhaustion. If we rid ourselves of that, I believe the Bible teaches us that we can work continuously for the Lord, Galatians 3.23, and rejoice and pray continually for the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and 17, all while living in God's rest, even if we are exhausted for Him. So that's what I wrote, and then he, he wrote back to me, if I can find it here. He said, this is good, replying to what I said. This is good. Funny, I'm in a similar boat, four kids, and we host a house church as well. So my, quote, day of rest is often filled with doing worship and hospitality for the whole day. Doug Wilson uses the term recreation, think recreation, as a good word for our times of resting, as opposed to something like sitting still, doing nothing, and thinking holy thoughts all day. So go enjoy your farm, host a house church. Love your wife, eat good food, celebrate God's goodness, sing psalms, throw a football with your kids, do the dishes with your family, and do all while resting in the finished work of Christ. So, in short, what I'm trying to say is, if we are, if we are uh, constantly surrounding ourselves in prayer, if we are engulfed in the Scripture, and if we are fully focused on Jesus, we'll, ha- we'll gain the guidance to balance our rest all the time. But if we have, if we take any part in the world, that's where our, that's where we fail and we start having unhealthy exhaustion. We can be tired. I was telling Colleen, we can be tired and and get to the end of our day and go, I'm rested right now. I'm going to sleep in the rest of Christ because we're in the word and we're doing the things of God. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.